First Corinthians chapter 11. I want to talk about the Lord's Supper, something that we are all very familiar with if you're members of our church, something we practice frequently and with purpose. But it's still an incredibly huge and important part of our worship. And it's important that we do it well, well-pleasing unto the Lord. Uh, the verse that I encouraged you all to memorize this morning, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, absolutely applies to this. And Paul, writing to this church in Corinth, uh, a church that was experiencing some disunity, some other issues, we'll look at those uh, briefly, um, gave them very clear instructions on what this was about. And so I would like us to read, I'll, I'll read starting in chapter 11, verse 17, and we're just going to read this passage through to the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, Paul writes, Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are proved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What, have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. But if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when you are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that, he, uh, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for the instructions that we see here. 
delivered from the, uh, the pen of Paul to this church in Corinth. Instructions that were for a specific church, but Lord, instructions that were fruitful enough to all churches that it's included in your word. God, I pray you would help us to draw near to the true meaning of the Lord's Supper. I, I don't believe that there's any or that there's very few here that really grasp the gravity of this. But Lord, it is important and it is good for us to examine it closely, to consider the overall implications for our, uh, our worship in this way. So God, I pray you help us. Help us to not find any of these faults. Lord, help us as we examine ourselves to address them before you. And when we worship, and we take the cup and we eat the bread, Lord, help us to do it in such a way that pleases you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I am uh, struck by how much we forget. Uh, we are a forgetful people. How many of y'all have forgotten a birthday or an anniversary? I have yet to have missed our wedding anniversary, so praise the Lord on that. How about you've forgotten a name or, or an appointment? If, you, if you're in a role where you meet a lot of people, it's easy to forget names. Or if you have a busy life, it's easy to forget appointments. We probably all have some kind of painful story regarding uh, things that we've forgotten. In fact, there are people who make a, a living training people on how to train, uh, increase our ability to memor- remember things. We're just a forgetful people because we're so busy. I think that may be one excuse, but we're just not perfect in that way. And we need reminders from time to time. We need to remember. And God knew that about us. God knows us pretty well, usually better than we know, always better than uh, we know ourselves. So he gave us this ordinance, the Lord's Supper, a command to observe the Lord's Supper. And the command says to observe it in remembrance of him. And that's what we're going to do this afternoon. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance of the Lord's death. In the Old Testament, God uh, required the death of animals, unblemished animals, uh, to pass over his people when uh, when he plagued the Egyptians with the death, death of the firstborn. Or on the Day of Atonement, he required the sacrifice of one goat for uh, the covering of sin and another goat, the scapegoat, to symbolize the carrying away of our sin. And all of this points, though, as you know, to something much, much greater. The Son of God dying in our place to grant us the forgiveness of sins and freedom in Him. We need to remember God's plan. We need to remember God's orchestrating of this magnificent event. That's Why this supper is a remembrance of the Lord's death. There is no moment in history that is a greater, more terrible moment than the Lord's death. I mean, tremendous calamity in one sense from one point of view, but incredible ultimate victory through the blood of Christ. Our memories fade, though, because we just often... We don't think enough about the Lord's death. And, and I think that 
might come naturally. We, we don't want to think of the Lord's death on a regular basis. We don't want to think about how he, uh, what he went through for you and me to receive the forgiveness and the freedom and the joy and the peace that we can have in him. We don't want to think about that. We want to just think about all the good stuff. We forget to remember uh, how that good stuff came to us. Usually temporary things also will get in our way of remembering. They get in our way of focusing on the death of Jesus. And we take it all for granted. This uh, supper that we observe, oh man, I thought we were going to be out. Y'all know what this stands for? We talk about it every week. That the bread is a picture of the body of Christ. There's something different about this bread than the bread we make our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with, unless you make unleavened peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. What, why is this different? No leaven? Because it's a picture of Christ's sinless life. Let me tell you, if there was a picture of you and me or anybody else that's ever walked this planet besides Jesus, and it was going to be a picture made in bread, and leaven is a picture of sin throughout the scriptures, what kind of bread do you think they'd make for you? Oh man, it'd be a mess, wouldn't it? Sourdough, that's right. Sourdough, man. But our Lord's is without leaven. It's a miracle that Jesus came to us. I mean, when you read the scriptures, you go to Matthew. I read Matthew uh, chapter 1 again this morning. And I read uh, the lineage of, of Jesus through the line of uh, Abraham and David and, and the generations and thinking about all the history that's behind all those names and all the, all the screw-ups in that list. <laughs> all the people who didn't belong who we would have said, why did you include this person in this? Why would you include that? That guy was a knucklehead. Why? When you consider all of that, and you see that Jesus came and was born into flesh, it's only of God. He was born in the flesh, and then he did something that nobody, no man has ever done, and that was to live a sinless life life. It's a pretty incredible truth. I mean, we talk about the unleavened bread and we talk about it uh, in very short terms because usually we're trying to not take up the whole afternoon with the Lord's Supper, but the, the reality of what Jesus lived is something none of us could do. Not one of us. If we, even if we made a great plan to try, we would have already screwed it up before we started. But Jesus lived a perfect life. And this bread is a picture of his perfect, unblemished sacrifice. Of course, the cup, you all know what that means as well. The cup is a, is a symbol of the Lord's blood. He said, this is the New Testament in my blood, a new covenant if, if, if we were to go back through the Old Testament and, imagine, and, and examine all the failed covenants where God kept his end of the bargain and, and man blew it and blew it and blew it and blew it, 
Well, we could spend quite a long time talking about that, but the fact is, is what happened is God had finally exhausted and, and, and told and shown us perfectly that we cannot keep up our end of the bargain. We can't keep any covenant with him. And so what he did is he said, well, you know what? If y'all can't do it, I'll just come and do it for you. And he was born here on this earth. He lived a perfect life. And Jesus, being that unblemished uh, life, being a man, as much as I am, represented me before the Lord with his own blood. That cup is a picture of his shed blood. It had to be shed for me to receive the forgiveness of sin, and you too. The Lord's Supper is a call to remember his death. The Lord's Supper is a call for unity too. You know, the Corinthian church was marked by disunity. If you were following very uh, closely in our text we were reading, it begins right there in verse 17. He talks about how he, sees, he hears that there's 17 and 18. There's disunity among them, divisions among them. They, some of them followed different leaders than the others. They were, uh, if you look in other parts of this uh, uh, book, they, some of them were suing each other. They were arguing over meat offered to idols and arguing over spiritual gifts and, and arguing even over the, over the truth of the resurrection. Some of the divisions between those who followed God and those who did not, that was just going to be inevitable. But when they went to go take the Lord's Supper, they were to be taking it as one unified body. But they weren't. They even exhibited elitism, separating the rich from the poor. They dishonored the Lord as they went through the motions of the supper, made light of it. So the reality is when we gather for this meal, we're called to confess that stuff to the Lord and to turn away from that stuff. We're to turn away from bitterness. We're to turn away from anger. We're to turn away from division among each other. We're to turn away from our own pride. The Lord's Supper is also a call to living holy. I... I would say I'm shocked to believe that any of us could take of this cup and this bread and it not impact our daily living. But we, I'm sure we're all guilty of that. We come on a Sunday afternoon and we make the extra effort to be here in the afternoon service. We come wanting to observe this Lord's Supper with our church family and in unity and with a good motive in our heart and But on Monday, when temptation arrives, we forget because we're forgetful people. But the Lord's Supper is a call to living holy. We're to examine ourselves. And in uh, verse 28, let a man examine himself. 
We're to examine ourselves. We're supposed to put ourselves under God's microscope. <laughs> the microscope of His Word. You know, it's really hard for us to examine ourselves if we don't spend time in the book, by the way. We should be in His Word. We should put ourselves under that microscope and let God's Word, you know, Timothy 3.16, which says it's profitable for doctrine and for reproof. Reproof is that it's, it's showing you where you got it wrong. Reproof. Correction, that's putting us back on the path that God would have us to live, path of holiness. He'll do that through his word and through the work of the Holy Spirit. If we don't put ourselves under the microscope, if you're reading with me, the Bible says that we risk putting ourselves under God's judgment. I'll be honest with you, I don't like talking about God's judgment in the pulpit, especially on Christians. But I know he does it. I've experienced his judgment before. It's a serious business. We we, we abuse the death of of Jesus when we carry out this ordinance with a disregard for living a holy life. So what kind of questions might we ask? Is your life any different from those in the world around you? Are we hiding something from others, a sin? Hiding something from God? Do we have a besetting sin we're clinging to? Are we the same person in private? When we're at home and the doors are shut and we're by ourselves? Are we the same person at that time as we are when we're here? In public? Is there sin that we need to turn from? Or is there an act of service and obedience to the Lord that we need to take up? The last thing is that the Lord's Supper is a look forward. said, for as often as you eat and eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. The Corinthians, these people were to proclaim the Lord's death through the supper until he comes again. This Corinthian church has not an opportunity to do this any longer because as I understand it, there is no longer a First Baptist Church of Corinth. but I think this would apply to all churches here. I think this would apply to our church. The death of Jesus, though, is not the end of the story, is it? 
The cross leads to the burial, but then the resurrection and the ascension, and then the return of our Lord Jesus. According to his timing. So in the meantime, when we take the Lord's Supper, we should be looking towards him and what is to come. When we take the Lord's Supper, we should, it should remind us to live every day as though this could be the last day. I wonder if you would indulge a little bit. I wonder if you knew what day you were going to die, how that would change the way you live. I can tell you it would change the way I live. There, was, there are things I would probably realize are far more important to me than other things. We should live like that. Because at any moment, the Lord could take us away. And that opportunity to share the gospel with someone, that opportunity to, to live faithful before someone who, who needs to see a, a faithful Christian, that opportunity to, to pray even for someone will be lost. When I read this text, you read it with me. I, when I read it, I, I realize that I cannot take this ordinance lightly. And while we, I know this church, I know we all endeavor ourselves to not take this lightly. We need to be reminded of how sober and serious this is. How real the death of Jesus is. How much it has changed our life. And how, cha- how much change it should bring to our life. So I'm going to pray. Is there, I'll ask, uh, many of you came and got some of the supper. Um, during the time of uh, uh, offering. If, if you need to come still, then I would encourage you to come while I pray. And then when I'm done praying, we're going to observe this wonderful, beautiful ordinance together. Father, we love you. We thank you uh, for your enduring kindness towards us. Father, we recognize that uh, not one of us deserves your mercy, your forgiveness. Not one of us has earned anything of you except for your wrath and your judgment. But Lord, we know that from your word, a Savior died in our place. Despite all our faults, Lord, despite all my faults, all of my inadequacies, all of my 
failures. Moral and immoral. Lord, I know because of your word that you love me. That you were so moved with compassion and love. That you had a plan to save us. Lord, help us not to take the death of our Lord lightly. Lord, help us not to forget the price by which our freedom has been bought. Lord, help us not to forget the cost of our forgiveness and of the joy and of the assurance that we have. And Lord, as we as we endeavor ourselves to not forget, Lord, help us to remember and to live as though, and to live in such a way that it has changed us. Lord, in reality, you have changed us. Those of us with this Lord's Supper with us, Lord, those of us that have trusted you, you have changed us eternally. You have redeemed us forever. You have accomplished something for us we never could have done on our own. Lord, help us to live it out. Lord, I pray for our church right now. Lord, it's easy to find reasons to be lacking in unity. It's easy to find reasons to grumble. It's easy to find uh, fault in each other. Lord, help us to do as you have bidden us to do. To love first. To love you most. And to do this thing in unity. Be with us as we worship. In Christ's name I pray, amen.